just amen, you know, I mean, that's a church word, right? Amen means so let it be. So anytime you hear somebody saying amen, you're saying so let it be. So if somebody prays a prayer over you that completely does not line up with the word of God, don't say amen to it. Amen. Yeah, amen, there we go. <laughs> don't say amen to it. Say, no, it ain't, <laughs> right? <laughs> say, I'm not having that in my life. <laughs> amen, so let it be, right? And so we want to encourage you that as you're in your Christian walk, we, we use a lot of terms called Christianese that we don't use in the real world. And so we're going to spend uh, the next six weeks defining certain terms in the Bible because you won't grow if you do not know. And this morning, I want to touch on what we talked about last week for a little bit. Before we can define a word, we need to define you and me. We need to define ourselves as a believer. What does the Bible say about us? The world will put a lot of labels on you that the Bible never gave you. All right, I can get an amen on that. Let me so let it be. The world's put a lot of labels on you that the Bible never gave you. And so we're going to find out who you are in Christ. And right now, for the next few minutes, I want to invite my wife, Sherry T. Meyer, to come to the stage. And she's going to spend the next couple minutes giving you a definition of you. Amen. Give her a hand clap this morning as she comes. We'll see how well this goes before I get the holy hand on the shoulder that says, please stop. <laughs> and also, I went to the eye doctor, and I got a new prescription for glasses. I still haven't got my new glasses, so I had to squint to see the time on the back screen, so bear with me. But as I was praying for what God would have me bring to you guys, I really came across one of the, the passages that uh, Joel went over last week, and it was, <coughs> you are adequate and you are complete and you are equipped for every good work. How good is that? If we were to put that in our hearts, we would really, honestly, do the kingdom work, wouldn't we? The verse that went with that is uh, out of 2 Timothy 3, 16. Every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. That's out of the Passion Translation. I love how it said, go deeper into Him. That's exactly what we are going to do just for the next few minutes. So as we talk about adequate, you are enough. You don't have to be someone that you're not. Never. God never intended on you pretending to be someone else that He did not intend on you being. He didn't intend on you being the fake until you make it. You know it? We do it all the time, don't we? There's times when we go to work because we have to fake it till we make it just so we can get the paycheck. But at the same time, God's given you the ability and the desires to be all that you can be because he created you just the way that you are. Each one of us have characteristics that make us unique to who we are because without those characteristics, we cannot be the body of Christ. Without those unique characteristics, because it's because of those characteristics that allow the body to become a body. If everybody was a finger, we would not be needed, would we? So just like when we say if everyone was the same, one of you wouldn't be needed. So but all of us are unique, and we carry individual characteristics that make us who, that, who we are. And because of that, it makes the body able to reach out past our comfort zone. Because some of us have a desire to reach Russia. Some of us have a passion to reach China or Africa, but even yet, the people at our work the people across the streets, the people that are in our neighborhood. Those are the places that make us, as the body of Christ, able to move. We also 
need to accept the scars and our challenges and accept our faults because God has loved you since day one. Since day one. There is nothing that has taken God's love away from you than anything else. You are you, and it's okay. Accept that. So you are complete. You have been made complete because you accepted Christ as Lord, and through that choice, God has empowered you and given you the strength to walk through this life. You are complete because you accepted him. Now, if we look at a suspension bridge, there's two towers that reach up, and there's a roadway that's connected. There's cables that connect the roadway. But underneath is what we don't see. There's cables that go from one end to the other end. Because at the top, there's compression that will make the towers go in this way. But there's tension that has to be brought out to make the bridge go out. And those cables are connected to anchors. Those anchors are connected to the ground. And the tension is absorbed by the ground. Now, if we're grounded in Christ, where does our tension go? To God. Our tension is to go to God. Because God made it so complete that it's not because of us just living this life, going through it, and just doing the mundane thing. It's that God created a thing in you. Because he says, my heart is your heart. What hurts you hurts me. He wants to take that tension out. You are complete. You are equipped. Through God's love for you, he sent his only child to die for you. Just because he loved you. So, the word instructs, but it also corrects. And because of that word, this word, it's this word that equips us. Every bit of it. There is nothing that you're going on in your life that will keep you from loving him or him loving you. Because every answer is right here. You are equipped. You are equipped for everything that God could possibly want you to experience or know. So, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit. This is your weapon in your hand. And this is what will slay your giants. So remember, you are adequate. You are complete and you are equipped for every good work. Amen? Amen. 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 You are adequate, you are complete, and you are equipped for every good work. And the reason why we wanted to talk about this, we're going to do something like this every message for the next six weeks, is because in your life, what is real, we do not always feel. Sometimes you do not always feel adequate, complete, and equipped for every good work. I can get an amen on that one, because I experienced that in my own life. But sometimes in your life, what is real, you do not feel, and what you feel is not always real. And so in your life, if what you are feeling is not real, you need to tell your feelings that they're not living up to the standards of God's word. And you need to put your standard back in God's word and be grounded in Christ. And I love her illustration of the suspension bridge. That when you're grounded in Christ, all the impact goes to him and you just get to be complete and adequate in him. And so as we're talking this morning about the mark about what we should do. We know that the Bible says in John 15, 16, that you should go and bear much fruit and that your fruit should remain. We need fruit that remains, but many of us are looking for a feeling that remains. 
We're looking for the feelings of when we got born again. We're looking for the feelings of things in our life. We're looking for it to feel like it did last Sunday or the Sunday before. That feeling when we had that moment with God at kids camp or youth camp or church camp or that women's retreat or that men's retreat or that conference that you went to. We're always looking for that feeling again. But can I tell you, the Bible doesn't say to look for a feeling. It says you should start producing fruit that remains and then the feelings will begin to manifest. And so in your life, I want you to quit looking for feelings and start developing fruit so that the feelings begin to manifest. And so last week we talked about grace, which we know is all of God for all of us. We know it's empowered obedience. We know that it is one-way love. And so we know that with grace, we have been given the power of God to overcome every obstacle in our life. Can I get an amen on that? Grace is the untapped power source of God that will step into it. The Bible says, in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound unto every good work and i love that part of the bible the what it says to me and so today we want to talk about the other side of grace or not the other side of grace the, the exact opposite of grace and that is the term sin and repent now don't shut me down some of y'all are like oh i knew this was coming no this is one of the best and funnest messages you'll ever receive in your life and so we're going to talk about the term sin and repent just for a minute. And this is where Romans 3, 23 comes in. And it says, for everyone has sinned. Hey, listen, we're all in the same boat. Pastor Joel's not better than you and you're not better than him. We all have sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. That's Romans 3, 23 and 24. I want to read it to you also out of the message translation. It says, since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living up to God's glorious lives that he wills for us, God did it for us. Out of the sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift, he got us out of the mess we were in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by the means of Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, I love that one. He pulled us out of the mess, put us where he always wanted us to be by one means, and that means is Christ Jesus. Now, the literal definition of sin means this, to miss the mark. Thus, I've got this right here. To miss the mark. Is what it means. But when you compile that literal definition to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it doesn't mean we just missed it because a lot of people, they read the Bible and think, oh, they're shooting an arrow, and this is actually where the term comes from. They're shooting an arrow at a target, and they just missed it. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. It doesn't say you missed it. It says you didn't even make it to it. Come on now. See, a lot of us, when we look at our lives, like, oh, I just missed God. No, you didn't even make it to God. You didn't even get close to God. Now, I want to do something this morning just for a minute. I need three volunteers. And no, you're not getting a Saltgrass gift card. That was Grace last week. Amen. We're doing it this year. Hey, can I get uh, Sam? I know you're pretty energetic, and you're awesome, and you're athletic. Can you come on up here? Yeah, Sam. Y'all give Sam a hand clap this morning. Brother Frank, can I get you to help me up here? Frank Torres. Y'all give Frank a hand clap this morning. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask my mom to come up here. And I'm going to ask all of you guys to come stand right over here. Come stand on this side of this black box. Now, you can't cross this black box, okay? This is the line. This is where the starting place is, and we're all at an equal starting place. 
So with that, here's what I need you to do. Sam, since you are the most athletic and you are the most athletically gifted person on the stage, and I'm not discounting the other two, but what I am saying is I, if I lined you guys up instead of sprint across the sanctuary, I'm putting my money on this guy. Not that I don't believe in you, but I believe more in him, right? Now, if you tied his shoes together and broke his ankle, then I may give you guys some sense of, of time. But Sam, here's what I need you to do. And you got all the way from here to start from. You can start back here. But what I need you to do is I need you to run, and I need you to stop right here and jump, and I need you to hit that target. Okay? Now, now, you, now you can't cross this line. If you cross them, we're, right? we're in the Olympics. Y'all know this. They, they don't know. All right, ready? Go. Land on that target. You cross the line. But he also didn't make it to the target. Frank, your turn. Hey, y'all give Sam a hand clap. He tried. He did good. Come on. Don't be disappointed in him. It says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. He ain't alone. Frank, show me how it's doing. You cross the line. Your, your, your hands were way out here before you even left the, the, the platform. And now, now I'm going to have my mom come up here because moms are all the, 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 I'll say it, East Texan, the goodest person you've ever met in your life. Amen? And so, so she represents the very best of the best of the best of the, the people. And she represents the people who, who in the Bible studied the Word of God and, and read Scripture and they knew the Word of God and everything. So she represents them. Now, Mom, you can't cross this line because you're the goodest of the good. Now, now you also got to hit that target, hit the mark. She done kicked her shoes off. Sister is ready to jump. All right, here we go. Go. Mom. You did great on not crossing the line. Yeah. <laughs> we we kind of we fell short a little bit. All right, y'all give them a hand clap this morning as they're being seated today. See, the Bible doesn't say we missed the mark by missing the side of it. The Bible says all have sinned and didn't even get to the mark. It doesn't matter if you're the best in rage. It doesn't matter if you're the best man in the church congregation. It doesn't matter if you're the best representative of a Christian you've ever met. The Bible says this, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It means we all have missed the mark. We've all missed it. We've all come to this place where here's the starting line, and there it is. And listen, it doesn't matter if I have Carl Lewis up here. I'm telling you, if, the, if this is the starting place, and you've got a, a long jump over the Grand Canyon, it doesn't matter if you can jump 10 feet or 35 feet, you're still not making it across the Grand Canyon. And most of us, because we live in this world of comparison, and listen, you spell comparison, and the last three letters are S-I-N, Right? Compare a sin because when you're comparing yourself to one another, all you're doing is comparing sins. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. But this is what I love about even the way the Word of God says it, especially in the Passion Translation. And, and he says, out of his sheer generosity, he put us back in right standing with himself at the mark, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess that we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by the means of Christ Jesus himself. But the problem is, many of us, we come to this place in life and we have an experience, an encounter with God's grace, which gets us to the point of where we're called to be. But then we try to live up to the world's standards of, of getting to the mark all by ourselves. Yeah. 
And many of us do this. Just because it looks closer when you get up higher, we try to climb the ladder of religion. See, it looks like I'm closer. But the truth of the matter is, it's simply an optical illusion because my distance didn't get any closer. I just got up higher to see the mark better, which still knows I'm still falling short of it no matter how far I get to. See, we get born again through an encounter with God, but then we think we got to get close to God by our spiritual works or acts of discipline when acts of discipline should only lead to an encounter. Acts of discipline should not be your encounter. See, I read the Bible to have an encounter with God, not to prove how good I really am. I pray to have an encounter with God because I know on my own works climbing the ladder of religion, I've missed it and fallen short of it. And a lot of us get confused after we get born again. We think it's now by our works that we got to maintain. And no, it's still always been by His grace that you've got to maintain. Some of us also do this. We do like our kids do. When you remember when your kids are little and you think they're going to be a great basketball player and you finally buy them this little goal, right? The, the, the little tykes. They've created them for little kids. You get this little goal and your kid runs up to him and he throws it down in the basketball goal, right? And you love it. He's like, oh, my kid's going to be the best basketball player in the world. <laughs> right? I see even teenage people do this a lot of times. It's they want to dunk so bad, they don't figure out how to make the standard. They actually lower the standard on the basketball court. So instead of the actual NBA height, they drop it down to about 7 foot or 8 foot. And then they run out there dunking like it's all over the map. And then I see some old guys try to do it, and they can't even dunk on that. And so they hurt themselves and their foot and everything else, right? And so... If we can't make it by climbing the ladder of religion, we simply move the line and lower the standard. But can I tell you, the standard has never changed in the eyes of God. And it doesn't matter what the world does or what humanity does or how we try to lower or change the standard. It doesn't help us get to the mark anymore. Because if the starting place is wrong, if you take off too early in the Olympic track meet, you're automatically what? Disqualified. And right here, when they crossed the line, they were disqualified. So you're not going to meet the standard of the mark by climbing the ladder of religion or actually moving your starting line to accommodate your inadequacies. And so the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of God's, God's glorious standard. So what is the answer if we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard? It's another word that we don't really like in the church a lot, and it's a simple word called repent. And some of your definitions of repent, because that's not a worldly term at all, it's straight a church term, are meaning when you hear the word repent, you go back to this old-time religion where you got to run to the altar and cry and get snot everywhere. And if you don't cry for so long and feel such a certain way in your heart, you didn't really do it right and you didn't really repent. And there's somebody else judging you saying, well, I don't think you repented fully. Right? Do you remember them old days? Some of you do, some of you don't. Listen to the, the literal definition of repent. It means to change one's mind. So much so, to change one's mind for the better, heartily, to amend with abhorrence to one's past sins. What does that mean? Repent means this. I'm having a mind change about everything going on in my life that starts in my heart that I literally hate the sin that I did in the past. That's what repent means. It doesn't say anything about crying. 
It doesn't say anything about coming to the altar. It doesn't say anything about words or actions. It's talking about an internal heart change that the Bible says in Romans 12 too. It says, do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you. And if you go back to last week, let him transform you by his grace into which the new person, by changing the way you think, then you will learn how God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Listen to the way the Message Bible says it. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your current culture, American culture, that you fit into it without even thinking about it. Can I just like, ah, I think you missed the mark and hit me with that arrow. I mean, I was like, ah. Don't, be some, go, don't become so well-adjusted to your current worldly culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, ready to recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, lowering the standard, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you the way it should be. Now listen, with that definition of repent, meaning change your mind, I want you to listen to what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 2. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? Repent means to have a heart change about the way you think. Kingdom means God's domain. Heaven is God's dwelling place. And at hand means to bring near to you, to join one thing to another. So when he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, he literally said, Joel, have a heart change about the way you think because the kingdom, the king's domain is coming near you. It is God's dwelling place and he wants to join it with you right where you're at here in this earth. Come on now, that's good. See, a lot of y'all read Matthew and Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God. And he's like, I guess I got, can't go sinning no more. No, he's saying, change the way you think because the king's domain, which is Jesus Christ, has come to visit you in person. And it's so close to you, it's right at your hand. And if you'll grab hold of my hand, we'll be joined together and you'll be a part of the kingdom of heaven and it's come to you. Now, there was a common phrase years ago. Worship team, y'all come on up. There's a common phrase years ago, and we all know it, and it was WWJD. WWJD. Now, y'all stay focused on me as they're coming up here. WWJD always meant, what would Jesus do? Meaning, what would Jesus do in your current situation? The problem is, we can't know what Jesus would do in our current situation if we didn't know what Jesus did do about our past situation. And a lot of us are trying to figure out what Jesus would do in our current situation without truly knowing what he did about our past situation. So the first question you got to ask is not WWJD. It should be WDJD. What did Jesus actually do through his grace, all of him for all of us, dealing with our sin, our falling short of the mark, and we're dealing with our repentance when we say, I'm changing my mind the way I think about what this Jesus guy did, about what sin really is, about it doesn't matter what I can do. I'm going to miss the mark no matter what because I all have fallen short of it. What did Jesus actually do? Remember the starting line. It's right here. Lindsay, can you do me a favor? You're awesome. Stand right here for me at the starting line. I ain't going to make you jump. Because here's grace. Here's Jesus. Lindsay, what did Jesus actually do for you? This is what Jesus actually did for you. 
Jesus, the Bible says, we read it in Matthew 6, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what grace actually did. He took the standard of heaven, picked it up, came to our starting line in the flesh, and said, all you have to do, Lindsay, and I hope you do it, is step up and take a step of faith. That's what he did. Here, I hope you step down. That's what he did. See, a lot of us can't answer the question, what would Jesus do? Because we don't know what Jesus really did. What Jesus did through his grace is brought heaven and the standard of heaven to a place that was attainable for you and for me. And the Bible says you have been saved by grace. All of him for all of us. Empowered obedience through faith. He didn't say you got to figure out how to long jump or you got to get to the other end of the stage. He said, I just need you to take one step up. And Jesus made the mark that attainable for you and for me. And I hope this causes us to repent. Everybody in this room to repent. That doesn't mean come to the front, ball and squall. It means change the mindset about the way you think about what Jesus actually did and let it pierce your heart to say, I've made this gospel thing too hard for all my friends. Jesus brought the standard to me. I'm now a carrier of the gospel. It's my job to let the world know how simple it is to make Jesus Christ Lord of their life. And what true repentance really means, it just means change the way you think about this Jesus guy and what he truly did deep in your heart. And will you by faith receive the gift that he gave you? Because the truth is, we've all sinned. As much as I would love to say I could have jumped off that line and made it and hit that target, I couldn't do it in the physical, and I know I couldn't do it in the spirit. Without Jesus, it's impossible. So I'm going to ask you all to stand this morning. What's the purpose of this whole message? What's the purpose of everything that I just talked about? Ministers come and begin to get ready to minister this morning. What is the takeaway that I want you to leave with this morning? That the power of heaven. Everybody look at me real quick. The power of heaven is so much greater than the power of sin and death. That God said, I myself will come handle this problem of sin. And I will not just cover it. I will completely destroy the power of it through Jesus Christ. So much so that I'm opening up a corridor and I'm bringing heaven to earth. I'm bringing Jesus to this earth. And when he comes to this earth, I'll just have him simply say, repent. Change the way you think. For the kingdom, the king's domain of heaven, God's dwelling place, is ready to join up with you. The kingdom of heaven, God's dwelling place, is ready to join up with your life this morning. And here's the target. Here's the mark. It's not out of your reach. It's been brought to you. But you got to do it by His grace, empowered obedience. Through His faith, through your faith in Him, Jesus Christ. And life change will happen. And so all the comments of, if you only knew what I did, if you only knew how much I had sinned, if you only knew how great my sin was, Jesus took all that out of the equation. Because he took it out of the equation when he brought heaven to earth. He brought the mark to you. He didn't change the standard, but he brought the standard to you to a place that's attainable. Father God, in the name of Jesus this morning.